0: Hey everybody, welcome to Infuse Church Online. My name is Taylor, and today we're wrapping up our series, Actions Speak Louder. Pastor Stephanie is here today, and she is bringing the message about how in the face of opportunity, in the face of challenging circumstances, that you can act and you can take those opportunities and learn and grow from them. So I'm excited that you're here today. Um, Good morning. Uh, My name is Stephanie. Uh, If you haven't met me, I am married to a tailor, and this is the one time a year he asked me to speak. Um, And I think I've figured out the reason why. Um, It's because I get you out on time, and if he were to have me get you out on time, you're going to put pressure on him to get you out on time each week. So... Um, but no, I'm excited to be here this morning and um, bring to you the last message of series, the series, Actions Speak Louder Than Words. Um, so if you don't know me, um, my full-time job, I'm a health and benefits consultant. Um, so during the week, um, I am working with employers on their benefit plans, and then nights and weekends, I get to be a mom to Everly and Elia, and then a wife to Taylor. So um I also uh, got to um, join Taylor in starting this church and go on the journey. Um, We got to go to seminary together, which was a really fun experience and take some of the same classes together. My emphasis uh, was a little bit different. I focused on um, spiritual formation and Christian discipleship. So I get to live that out in our kids' environment each week. And so a lot of times I'm not in here, so there's some of you that are new faces to me. Um, But I get to be down investing in our kids and just have an awesome time down there pouring into some of your kids each week. Um, So this morning I need to preface two things um, before I dive into today's message. Uh, The first is I want you to know that um, speaking for both Taylor and I, a lot of times when we give these messages, um, we are just um, as broken and imperfect as each of you here are today. And a lot of these messages are for us as well. And so as we um, prepare these messages, a lot of it's what's happening in our own life and it's experiences of how God has worked in our own life. So I I join you in this journey and as I share some of these experiences that um, these are parts of our lives that are real and we need to hear these messages just as you do in each of these seats. The other thing I wanna preface is Taylor and I get um, to dive into other people's church planting journeys and get to explore other resources um, that we have available as we prepare. And so I wanted to give credit where credit is due because this message was inspired by a book that I read earlier this year by a church planter um, by uh, an author called Mark um, Batterson. And the book is called In a Pit uh, with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And so if you are interested in the story I'm going to share with you this morning, this is a great book, um, and I would encourage you to dive into this and other Um, stories about today's character um, as I talk about the story of Benaiah this morning so we're gonna dive into um, this story and it comes from the 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 book of Samuel 2nd Samuel and to preface this David is speaking his last words and he's talking um, about his mighty warriors and who was uh, under him and the greatness of each of these mighty warriors And so in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23, it says this. It says, Benaiah, son of Jehadiah, a valiant fighter from Kazabel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. And then in the next verse, it says, He also went down into a pit on a snowy day, and he killed a lion. And then it says in the next verse, And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. And when you read this, to me, I'm like, wow, he's like a beast. He's like taking down two of Moab's finest warriors. Another fight that he was in, he took the guy's spear when he had a club and he killed him with his own spear. But one of the verses that's really interesting to me is the verse about the lion. And that's what I'm gonna focus on this morning. When he says that he jumped into a pit, he went into a pit on a snowy day and he killed a lion. I don't know about you, uh, but when I'm reading verses in the Bible or reading stories, I like to put myself in their shoes. I like to visualize, what if that was me? I don't know if that's something that you do at all, but for me, I was thinking about this. And if I were encountered with a lion, and as the lion is registering, and I see him with my eyes, and those optical nerves are sending messages to my visual cortex of what's going on, what am I gonna do? I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that I would have done what Benaya did. Um, I'm not sure that I would have chose even, in. in encounter the lion. I don't know why I would be in a situation where I would be with a lion. But he, he did something different. He decided to engage with this lion. So I did a little bit more research just to back up my theories about um, a lion, and fun facts about lions, and fun facts about myself, just to see if my reasoning is fair. So I wanna share with you a little bit of information that I found out about lions, and some of this was new to me. Um, The first fun fact about a lion is that lions can be up to six and a half feet long. Did you guys know that? They're huge. They're massive. Um, Lions can also weigh up to 500 pounds. They can be ginormous beasts. Um, I'm not sure about you, but I'm not sure I want to go up against anything that's 500 pounds, whether it be a lion or a polar bear or anything. Um, And so that's that's a big feat for an individual to embrace a lion. The next aspect is that lions can jump. And they can also roar up to five miles. So lions, when they roar, you can hear on a quiet day, up to five miles, that lions roar. Pretty fascinating. Um, And then I looked up some more information. Uh, They can, they can jump up to 30 feet um, and they can leap. They're the only cat that lives in groups. Um, I thought there would be more cats that lives in groups, so if I'm going up against a lion, good chances are there's more lions. Um, so if I'm not gonna, if I'm gonna be fighting one, I might be fighting more. Um, and then the last thing about lions is that they're just these massive, massive beasts that have great vision. They have five times better vision than you and I if we had 20-20 vision. Pretty crazy. So here's a couple of fun facts about me, just to see if the odds are in um, my favor or the lion's favor. Um, I'm not sure about you, um, but I know that I probably didn't eat any breakfast. I probably didn't even have my Wheaties that morning. Um, so my strength compared to the lion is going to be very minimal. Um, I probably didn't um, get very much sleep that night uh, with two kids. Uh, I get probably like four hours of sleep. Uh, I haven't worked out a lot lately. Um, I'll just be honest, I didn't start a New Year's resolution in January to start working out. Um, So again, I'm probably pretty weak. Um, Some other fun facts about me is, Taylor and my kids, they can't even hear me talk. So if I'm gonna be screaming, I'm probably not even gonna be able to compare to a a lion. Uh, The other aspect is that I'm really just not a cat person. Uh, I'm more of a dog person. So if I'm gonna be somewhere that I'm gonna be interacting with any kind of animal, it wouldn't probably be a cat. Um, and then the last thing is I probably tend to fall in snow. I don't know about you, lately this last week with all of the snow, um, I don't have very good footing when it comes to um, the snow. So as I thought about this story, I thought about Beniah having two choices. And what I would have done, just given the facts of the situation, But Benaiah didn't look at the facts of his incapabilities. He looked at the facts of, wow, I'm a mighty warrior. I'm a valiant warrior who's courageous and determined, and I'm going to encounter that lion. I'm going to go after that lion intentionally, who's in a pit, and I'm going to fight that lion. Just like he fought Moab's two mightiest warriors and a very, very large Egyptian. And see, what... But didn't realize in that situation is what would come from that situation. We'll find in the scriptures that later he was promoted to become the bodyguard for David. And then under the rule of Solomon, he became second in command. He was commander in chief under Solomon's rule. And he didn't know that. He didn't know that day when he woke up that morning, oh, I'm going to fight a lion. Oh, if I fight a lion, that's going to be a good resume builder. Then I'm going to be able to get promoted to bodyguard. Then I'm going to be able to be promoted to commander-in-chief. He didn't know that. See, just like Benaiah, we have God-ordained dreams and God-ordained destiny that God has put on our hearts, things that we are so passionate about, things that God breaks our heart for. And he wants us in that situation when we encounter that lion, to react as Beniah did. Because he had two choices. He wasn't favored, the odds were not for him. But he knew that there was a God that was for him. And so he made that leap of faith. I look back at some of the scariest but most greatest moments in my life, the scariest lions that I had to encounter, And believe me, there's been a lot of lions that I ran away from in my life. But some of those scariest lions that I encountered were the greatest moments in my life. The moments where Taylor and I both turned in our resignation at our jobs and said, yep, we don't know how we're going to make an income. We don't know where we're going to live. We don't know if someone's actually going to buy our house that we had just bought. And we're going to pack everything up and move all the way from Seattle to here. There were Sundays that were scary, that we didn't know if anyone was going to show up. Actually, there were Sundays where no one showed up. It was 12 people, the people who were there serving. When we made the commitment to come here, we didn't have anyone committed to say, yep, I want to be a part of a church plan. I want to be a part of reaching broken and lost people. There's been moments, even since then, that the, the next Sunday, we didn't know if we had a space to meet in. There was challenges of where are we gonna meet? We, we don't have a long-term contract. We're not sure if we can meet in the school. But see, those moments, those scariest moments, those biggest lions, those 500-pound problems that we saw, were moments where we came alive. It's where we started living and putting our faith and a God that was much bigger than anything that we could have ever imagined. Don't get me wrong, there was nights where we would lose sleep. There were days in which we didn't know how we were going to make it to the next day. There was people in our lives that were saying that you you can't do this. There were many, many tears, many, many times that every day was uncertain with what the next chapter would hold. But we saw God work in divine ways that we would have never seen him work if we didn't put a little skin in the game and say, yep, I'm gonna chase that lion. There was huge, huge risk in each of those steps. And I think one thing that we we forget sometimes is that in that huge risk, though, we create opportunity. We create opportunity and space. We stop putting our God in a box and say, "Uh, we want him only to be in this aspect of our life. We take him out of that box and our God becomes bigger than anything that we could have ever imagined. In theological terms, there's two types of sin. And in each type of those sin, there's there's a, a part of us that plays a role in that. And that sin is called commission versus omission. And commission is the sin of doing something. And I think that's what the church has focused on for a large majority of, of its history. Or what I remember, what I experienced growing up in church is the don'ts. You don't do this. You don't do that. You don't go here. You don't associate this. You're not supposed to do that. It was don't, 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 don't. But the sin of omission is different. That's the sin of not doing something. And what's harder with that sin is it it can't be seen. On the outside, it's harder for someone to say, oh, I guess I don't know if you, you didn't take that opportunity, or you didn't go help that person, or you didn't spend time in prayer with God. And that sin of omission looks very, very differently. And so, a lot of times, we're focused on the don'ts. But what about the opportunities that God is asking us to engage in that we didn't engage in? Part of acting and speaking and engaging in that omission requires some aspects of our lives that have to change. And so, I was thinking through this and thinking through all of the lions that either I didn't chase and I gave up the opportunity to chase, that God put it in my life, and the lions that I did chase. The biggest thing that I learned in all of those experiences is that I had to embrace uncertainty. See, I don't think Beniah woke up that morning and said, yep, I know God's going to put a lion in my life. I know that I need to be prepared. I need to work out. I need to eat the right things. And he knew that it was going to snow that day, so he knew he needed to pack his snow boots. No, he didn't know any of what was about to come. There was so much uncertainty. Was the ground slippery? How much snow did he get? How deep was the pit? Was the lion hungry? There was so much uncertainty. And despite the situation, Beniah embraced that uncertainty. And I think that's a part of faith. I think it's a big part of faith is stepping out and embracing that uncertainty. I think about the disciples, and I wonder about their life. Because so often, Jesus never says or does what they think he's going to do. Every day they woke up and there was uncertainty. What, today Jesus is going to be engaging and offending the Pharisees? Today he's going to be touching lepers? What? The uncertainty every day was unreal. He befriended a tax collector. He engaged with a prostitute. And I just put myself in their shoes, and I say, wow. Every day, they had to embrace the uncertainty of walking and being a follower of Jesus. But for most of us, we like to have that certainty. We want to know exactly what our week's going to look like. We want to have our five-year plan, our 10-year plan. We want to know that the bill's going to be paid. We want to know there's going to be food on our table, a roof over our head. We need that certainty. We lean into that, that certainty in our lives. See, I think the greatest moments in our life are unscripted, unrehearsed, unplanned, making them so unforgettable. One great example is this past summer. Uh, we got the pleasure to go on a vacation with my in-laws. We went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and most of the plan uh, or most of the trip was planned out. Uh, we had activities planned, biking. We were going to go kayaking. We had restaurants picked out. Um, the itinerary was pretty much set. But the first day, we came upon a little snag. Uh, We were going all the way up to this North Peak and we had a rental vehicle. And just let me remind you that I also had an 18-month-old daughter and I was seven months pregnant. Um, And so we got out of the van. We were going on our first planned excursion of our vacation. We all unpack and get out of the van. And what we didn't realize is somebody left the keys in the van and locked the door. And uh, we, we saw the keys inside the van. And again, this is a rental car. I think the rental location was maybe two, three hours away. Um, but then what we realized is all of our money was in the van. We had, a couple of us had our cell phones, but what we found out is that we didn't have cell phone service. No joke, this is, I mean, it's pretty rare today to find a place that doesn't have cell phone service, but we didn't. So we started walking around, we found um, this little um, community center, visitor center, um, and there was a post office in there that had really weird hours, but they had a land phone. Um, So we were able to call, uh, I think we were calling AAA, we were calling the rental place, Uh, We finally got a hold of the sheriff's office, so the sheriff could come and try to get us out. Um, And I have a couple pictures here. Um, Here's our van. Here's uh, my 18-month-old. And you'll see it's taking um, four different guys to try to break into this van. Um, And it was just this craziest disaster. Uh, Meanwhile, Elia gets hungry. Um, And again, we don't have any money, so we're walking, we found a candy shop, and we're in trying to explain to this candy shop that we don't have any money. They probably think we're crazy. She finally gives Elia this 10-cent sucker, and this whole crazy, crazy story uh, just became so unforgettable. We had a great time the rest of our our trip, um, and it even made the Christmas card this year. There's about 10 sentences here, and there was a lot of amazing things that happened this year. Um, including Everly being born, but the the unforgettable moment of being locked out of the van on our first day of our vacation made the Christmas card. And it was that moment and that realization and this story that stuck with me. I can't tell you all the other details of all the other things we did, but this moment was so real and so memorable because it was unplanned. It was all uncertain. It was unrehearsed. And it made it unforgettable. I think the part that we don't like about the uncertainty is the uncertainty is complex. There's a lot of layers. The situation was complex. But guess what? Marriage is complex. Kids are complex. Money is complex. When you get success, that's complex. So I thank God for all the complexity. Because without those things, my life would look so totally different. All of those things make our lives complex, and a relationship with God is complex. But I'm grateful for that complexity. I think the other thing we have to remember is that within that uncertainty, we can't be on the defense. We can't say, oh, okay, I need to guard myself from this uncertainty. I need to move towards offense. And again, so much of the church's history and the life of sometimes um, years after years after years is we play defense. Christians are often known more for what we're against than what we're for. So often we want to just put this box around us and guard and protect ourselves. I, I, I can't take the uncertainty. But we have to stop living out of that memory and going through the motions and start living out of our imagination and creativity and really move into an offensive position. The other thing is we may have to realize that we may look foolish. There's been a lot of times that in all of those situations where I had to embrace that uncertainty, I had to chase those lions that were in my life, That I had to look foolish. As I was looking through scripture, I looked through countless stories in which those people who embraced uncertainty, who exercised their faith, had to look foolish. I thought about the story of Noah building a boat in the desert. Can you imagine people around him like, what is he doing? He's absolutely crazy. He's lost his mind. He's foolish. I thought about the story of Elizabeth. Shopping for maternity clothes at 90 years old. Can you imagine the looks? Like, is she nuts? I thought about the story of Moses lifting his hand above the sea and people around him like, okay, how are we going to cross this? What are you doing with your hand? He had to look foolish to people outside of the situation. I thought about the situation of David. David picking up little stones or little rocks, and people around watching the battle that was about to happen. They probably thought he was foolish for bringing little stones to to defeat this huge Goliath. I thought about Peter stepping out of the boat. I bet people thought he was foolish. He's going to get out of the boat? What does he think is going to happen? And the last story I thought about is the story of Jesus. I bet people thought he was foolish, hanging on the cross half naked, saying that he was the Savior. But in each of those stories, they ultimately put their trust in a relationship with a loving God. They said no matter what it looks like to the world, no matter what everyone else sees, I know that I'm doing the right thing. I'm chasing that opportunity that God has called me to chase. I'm seizing that moment and I had two choices. I could build that boat. I could pick up that stone. I can step out of that boat. I'm going to give my life up for the world. I think our biggest enemy when we look at looking foolish, our biggest enemy is great is that greatness is good. When we have a good life, when things are going well, when we are already seeing success, the biggest thing that is holding us back is when things are good. Because to the outside world, why would you quit your job? Why would you make that decision? You have, you have good things. Life is good. Your relationships are good. But what they don't see is what's inside the heart of what God is asking you to do. What he's put on your life, the opportunities to put your faith into action. I know for me, when we made any, uh, any of those big decisions with moving across the country, we got a lot of pushback of we're, we're looking foolish. We're not making the right decision. We're not doing what is right with, you know, the talents and resources that we have. Taylor and I both were vocationally in different roles that we had invested in through our, our undergraduate studies. And we were on our way into a much different path. But to the outside world, it looked foolish. But I can't imagine my life today if I didn't seize some of those opportunities? And there's a lot of times that I look at the opportunities I didn't seize, and I say, what would my life have been if I had seized those opportunities? I think we all love telling God our our, our long-term plans. We love telling God exactly how we want Him to work, when we want Him to work, and where we want Him to work, and where we want Him to show up. And we tell Him those things, not realizing he's so much bigger than any of that that you're telling him. I was recollecting uh, my, uh, some memories of me as a 10-year-old girl when I was telling God what I wanted to be. And some of you may not know what this is, but I was telling God that I wanted to be a blacksmith. Does anyone know what a blacksmith is? A few of you? Okay. You might think this is funny, but there's a picture of me here. And I was dressed up as a blacksmith multiple Halloweens because that's what I wanted to be. And on September 12th, um, maybe, or maybe one, two, and four, maybe I wrote it over three days. It took me that long. Um, in 1998, I wrote a story called My Life. I said, my name is Steph. I raise chickens. I have two cats and six cows and one dog. I want to be a blacksmith when I grow up. I take riding lessons because I love a horse. I want a horse for my birthday. I love a sister named Stacy and two brothers named Sam and Simon. I have a mom named Teresa and a dad named Mervyn. And if you don't know what a blacksmith is, it's someone who heats up metal and iron and steel, and they forge different things out of this hot iron. They have an anvil that they hammer, and they make these beautiful pieces out of metal. And that's what I wanted to be. I don't even think they exist. I think it's an extinct position nowadays. I probably, if I was a blacksmith today, probably uh, be in a very interesting place in the world and probably not making much money, and um, my family would be living in very interesting conditions. Um, But that's what I told God that I wanted to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. But God had something far, far greater than being a blacksmith. And it doesn't mean that someday I'll get to live out this dream or when I retire I can pick it up as a hobby or I can turn my garage into my blacksmith shop. But so much of our life and so much of our time that we spend, we tell God what we want, what we expect, where we want him to show up and what we want him to do. And I wonder if Beniah had done that same thing. Beniah didn't know to pray. Okay, God, step one, I want to encounter a lion so I can chase him and kill him. Step two, I want to become the bodyguard to David, and then step three, I want to become the second in command of all of the army of Israel. Beniah didn't even know any of these three things were possibilities. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Um, Because I think that when we start telling God how we want him to work, we make our God this small. God is so much bigger than anything we could ever imagine. He wants to work in your life in ways that you can't even put into a five-year plan, a ten-year plan. God wants to do things in your life that you've not even ever imagined. But do you know what he's asking us to do? We have to start running towards him. We have to start seeking him. We have to start praying something different. We have to start praying, God, what are the lions in my life? What are the opportunities that you've put in my path? What are these God-sized dreams that you want to lay on my heart? Wouldn't our prayer life look different? Wouldn't our days look different? What are the opportunities that you're missing because you're telling God what opportunities you want him to put in your life? And we still do that today. Taylor and I are caught in that of we have dreams for this church. We have dreams for our lives. And we get caught in that because we want to pray, God, I want this church to look like this. I want everyone to experience this community. And that's not bad, it's just we're putting God in a box. And for us, we have that challenge. Every day I'm caught in that challenge of telling God. On my drive to work, in different situations and in in relationships, and I'm caught with stopping myself and saying, nope, I need to seek God. I need to run after the unimaginable and see how God can show up in my life. And I need to become a lion chaser instead of running from a lion. I found these little lions online they're extremely extremely tiny. But I want to invite each of you to join me in a 30-day challenge. I bought lions for each of you and as the band plays this next song, I want to invite you up to come and grab a lion. And you may not know what your next lion is that you you need to chase. You may not even be in a place where it's like God, I'm not even sure how you're even showing up in my life right now. But I want you to come up and grab a lion. And for the next 30 days, set it somewhere where you see it every single day. Put it on your bathroom sink where you see it while you're getting ready. Put it in your pocket and take it with you each day. Set it on your desk at work. And look at that lion. And when you look at this lion, say, God, I want to seek you today. I want to ask you, for you to show up and show me the opportunities that I need to seize. Give me the courage to embrace this 500-pound problem. Give me the courage to embrace uncertainty, to move into offense, and to step out in faith. So I'll let uh, the band play the song. Come up and grab a lion and commit to to seeking out God instead of telling God what plans you want him to do in your life. For some of us, our lions might mean taking the time to invest in a relationship. For some of us, our lions might mean picking up the phone and making a phone call, setting up a meeting, applying for a job, Submitting your resignation. It may start with a small mustard seed opportunity that you've been missing. See, I think one of the biggest regrets that we'll have at the end of our life is those opportunities we didn't take. Those what-if questions of, what if I had only done that? How would it have turned out differently? God has big plans, and he made each of you so unique. He has these God-sized dreams and wants to work in amazing ways in each of your lives. We have to stop criticizing and start creating. We have to stop doing things out of memory, start doing it out of our imagination. We have to embrace that uncertainty. We have to stop seeing problems and look at it as opportunities. We have to quit holding back or holding on to something. We have to quit running because if God is for you, who can be against you? You have to lock eyes with your lion and you have to chase it. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I first just want to thank you. I want to thank you that in so many people's eyes you looked foolish hanging from that cross. But yet that meant everything. It meant everything to each one of us. Because that means we get the opportunity today to chase opportunities. So thank you for that sacrifice. Thank you for creating just the opportunity to chase lions, to be able to be here in your presence and chase these dreams. Thank you for giving us these God-sized dreams. I pray that over the next 30 days as we see these lions in our life and we see this little figure of a lion that we're reminded to seek you Pray that each one of us will be put with a burden of of seeking you out instead of telling you how we want you to work. I pray that each of us will go after something that's destined to fail unless you intervene and your divine intervention steps in. Because we want to see you work. God, thank you for being so graceful and so loving and giving us each a unique design, a unique makeup of who we are, that no matter where we've come from or what we've done, that you love us so much to still have a God-sized dream for each of us. I pray that as we seek these opportunities, that we stop and we say thank you and you give us those opportunities. God, I know that there's going to be challenges as we are chasing our lions. There's going to be fears. There's going to be a world around us that says, you can't do it. And place doubts in each of our minds and our hearts. I pray that you will be with us in each of those moments and that you will give us the strength to keep pursuing and moving forward. I pray for each person as they, they lock eyes with their lion, and that they know that you're with them, you love them unconditionally, and that you're our biggest, our champion for us being successful. We love you and we thank you for this opportunity to be here worshiping, with you this morning and pray that we can continue to live out your will in our lives. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for this series. Next week, we're kicking off a brand new series called Modern Love, where we're going to tackle some of the modern misconceptions about love and how you and I can love better. So I hope you'll be there for that. Thanks so much for joining us.